This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. It's Thursday morning. It is our weekly look at one of America's most interesting cities. It is time for us to pay a visit to Monopoly City, to the uh, to America's playground, to a city that, uh, while I am not a resident of, I have come to view in many respects as home, Atlantic City, New Jersey. And I am just tickled pink because we have somebody on the program this morning morning that I have been very, very eager to have on the show. He is someone who's passionate about Atlantic City. He's someone who is knowledgeable about Atlantic City. He's someone that uh, takes a lot of time and effort in keeping others informed about what's happening in Atlantic City. Businessman, entrepreneur, visionary, and activist Jeff Rosenberger. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us, uh, joining us on the AC Report. It's great to talk to you. I'll tell you, Frank, after listening to the introduction, I thought you were going to bring in someone else. I was anxious to hear. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Atlantic City gets a lot of attention, and we certainly appreciate your attention uh, to us. And we're a town that needs a lot of attention. um, And I think we're heading in a lot of good ways. So let's get to talking. What what do you want to talk about today? Well, Jeff, just so folks understand your perspective, and I don't know how it is, but I don't think we've ever met. All the time that I've spent in Atlantic City uh, and uh, all as active as you are in Atlantic City, I don't think we've ever crossed paths in uh, in person. But I know you've been very vocal, very active for a long time. And your Facebook page, Jeff's Page AC, that's G-O-F-F-S, page ac has sort of become one of the go-to spots for learning about anything that uh, goes on in the city what brought this about how did you take it upon yourself to start informing residents about your view of what was going on the problems the solutions how did your your trajectory as an atlantic city activist begin well, I hate to use the word activist. Um, a- activist sounds like like you're not there for the right reasons at times because of the, because of the current political uh, situation across the country. What I am is is I am a person who has lived on Absecon Island for 65 years. I just had my Medicare birthday. Happy and birthday! I remember Congratulations! This, well, thank you, thank you. I went to New York to celebrate that, and then I went to Mexico to celebrate my t- trip to New York. So many ideas every time <laughs> I travel with what, with what Atlantic City should be. Um, I have watched when I was a kid, I used to listen to the history of Atlantic city with fascination from the guys my age, you know, they had the gray hair and I listened. And as someone with gray hair, I know that as an adult, I I just find so many new people in Atlantic city stuck under old systems. And one of the things I believe Atlantic city has to reimagine is the roots to her future. And those very roots are, are pathways to the future and, and, and the roots that were planted in the soil many years ago. We have um, so, many, so many powerful draws in Atlantic City without the nightlife. Just look at the New Jersey coast. Up and down the coast, you see, you see good times, good things everywhere. And yet we've added the, the nightlife component. So I like to look at us as a kind of a mini New York, a small global village. We have 90 nationalities in this town, 40,000 residents, and millions of visitors, up to 20 million visitors a year. So I look at us as a small global village wrapped around a big city with a lot of ideas. And unfortunately, not all the ideas are the best ideas that are implemented. Um, We have right now a changing climate in Atlantic City. I see the CRDA 
which really rules the city. The state of New Jersey and the CRDA really rule the city. And I see them trying to figure out how to get back to where they have to be. Um, that doesn't mean it's moving quickly, and it certainly doesn't move move with the speed that I would like. But, but um, one of the things that happens in Atlantic City is there's very few uh, – there's very few – you're always two degrees of separation away from everything and every story. So no matter what they do, it's really not done without the knowledge of the people, but it's done behind behind the people. And the people, what what has happened with my page is I started posting to this page, and you know, on a normal topic I'll get a couple of hundred views. On a good topic I'll get a couple of thousand views. But I've had up to twenty thousand views on different things. And it's because I will say things that many people in Atlantic City are reluctant to say because they need the system to help them propel whatever it is they're trying to propel, even though it often stands in their way. So the systems have to be reinvented. And it's just funny. I have a meeting with the mayor today to talk about um, some of the things that I see that could that could go forward. And one of the things that I see uh, that would be wonderful in Atlantic City, I have come to a negotiated deal with the owner of the Columbus Hotel, which mm. is a right. It's a seven. It's a seven story uh, building, uh, w- which I want to make into a gay resort. Now, Atlantic City's gay history. We once had a whole gayberhood. And that was before the casinos and before the speculators and before everything else. And given the history of the gay, the gay population, which you probably don't know. No, basically. Basically, it was cut. In 1966, the gays in the state of New Jersey won the right to congregate. Uh, they were, a bar by the name of Val's Bar in New York Avenue was closed. And in 1967, it was because homosexuals were congregating. In 1967, in the Supreme Court of the state of New Jersey, we won the right to congregate. So part of the follow-up of that is in the 70s and 80s, quite a gayborhood developed. And it was a powerful economic climate and one of the few things working in the town prior to the casino introduction. Just like Kentucky Avenue, the Black District, the Entertainment District, Jazz District used to work. But the – I don't want to say there was a conspiracy to close them down, but they stopped being. We'll put it that way. Now, many years ago, I had a funding commitment to buy this hotel – a $30 million funding commitment to buy this hotel, renovate, and turn into a gay boutique hotel was before gay marriage. Without saying much, it was closed by the politicians. They didn't want gay marriage. They didn't want want many things involved in the gay world. As a matter of fact, until this year, last year rather, uh, in the Supreme Court, it was still legal in many states to fire people for being gay. So there's a reason you want a gay district if you want the gays to come visit. So I've negotiated with this man. A, a uh, deal where we'll go in as joint venture partners if we can raise the money again. And to do this, I've actually met with, this, with the CRDA and with, with um, the mayor, and I'm going to talk about a different system because I want them behind it first instead of going and getting the money and then um, having it killed. So, with the, by the way, they're behind what I'm doing right now. Uh, they, they, they want things to work. The gay population... The, the average gay traveler will spend 175% more on on um, entertainment and traveling than the average straight guy. Now, that is money that would be well spent in Atlantic City, but we also know that you want us for our money, so we want a commitment. And in my eyes, 
We want a commitment, and without your commitment up front, why go through the efforts only to have it killed in, in the rear? So I'm trying to cement all this kind of things because they're part of our roots. Now, are you gay? Many, yeah. Oh, yes, I'm gay. Yeah. I was married. You know, uh, I'm 65, as I said. My generation didn't want to be gay, but it is what it is. I have a kid. I have a son, 31. I'm very proud of a daughter, 27, soon to be 28. Um, you know, they we all had to come to terms with things, including their father. But yes, I'm a gay man. Now, when um, you when you talk about a a gay district or a, a gay neighborhood or a gayborhood, as you termed it, uh, you know, for people that uh, are not gay, it, it sounds a little bit like. Uh, you know, sexuality-based segregation. Why is it a positive to have a a network a, or a community in a neighborhood that is uh, primarily geared towards serving the gay population? Well, it's kind of like our church. We need we need a place where we can congregate and feel secure, regardless of what the accept the acceptance rate is. Gay marriage has gone from a twenty percent acceptance rate to a seventy percent acceptance rate. But I will still have people walk up to me and say, I hate gays, period. So gay-friendly and most – and you, you being from New York City, you don't even understand this. Gay-friendly is uh, you know, very much uh, everywhere in Atlantic City. It always has been. One of the first gay bars in the nation was Louise's Entertainment Club. It was, it was one of the first three. We're not sure which three. But um, uh, Nelson Johnson actually included in his book about uh, – the, the Boardwalk Empire. That's right. I read that book, and I had uh, Nelson on the show to talk about it. That's right. I had forgotten that. Yes, and it was there because we needed it. If you go back to old uh, uh, the, the Commodore, we gave we gave the people what they wanted. The people, when you go away, today's social media apps and things have replaced much of the way that gay men used to meet. They used to have to sneak down the alley into the bar, mm. even say hello to each other. But now you can meet online, you can meet in, in, in open, that's not a problem, but you still want to be surrounded by your own. For instance, I visited Provincetown and, and, and the Woods Campground. We took about 40 days of vacation uh, last year, my partner and I, and it was mostly, it was many gay destinations, and we were there to have fun with like-minded men and, and entertain ourselves with like-minded men and women, you know, obviously. There's, there's a lesbian population. There's the, the spectrum of the rainbow is broad. And one of the things that, you know, it's kind of funny. One of the things about the gay population, because we're so judged, we don't really judge others. Mm. So if you go to a town like Provincetown or even even um, Fort Lauderdale or, or Palm Springs, you see how there are many great places where the gays will congregate because they feel safe and secure. If you walk the streets of Palm Springs when we were there last, there on the streets, if you find yourself harassed, call this number. There's like special numbers to people so you may not think that matters but when a 22 year old uh, uh, says to me recently when I came out and this is a very recent conversation when I came out my father said I may as well be dead because you're dead to me mm. that's why you need a gay bar no one's going to judge you and that's why within so anyway that's that's part of the piece how do we fund this how do we make it work let's not, let's not focus on the day the next thing Airbnb an issue so so the man who owns all this land um, he owns, give or take, 100 assorted properties and, and the thing. He has a whole neighborhood he can develop into an Airbnb, which takes care of some of the smaller investors. We need so many different things. Like if you stand in the inlet, the inlet's being reserved now for 50 years for mid-rises and high-rises or a minimum of 10 units to come in. Go back to the original zoning and let people build single-family. 
Manhattan, you know, just like Atlantic City, we developed single family until people came and uh, let's put a high rise here and we'll buy up the block. You have to develop small and organically. And one of the things that has happened in the very recent past within the last couple of years is you see the governing, the state government friendlier to the small guy. The system was not set up for the small guy. It was set up for the for the big guys and the unions and the, you know, all the political players in Atlantic uh, in the state of New Jersey, and we all know there's too many of them. All right, Jeff, so, I want to I want to pick your brain on a couple of uh, projects that are going on in Atlantic City before we run out of time here. And people just tuning in, we're talking with Jeffrey Rosenberger, and uh, you can check out his Facebook page, uh, where it's a wealth of information. I follow it. I learn a lot about the goings on in Atlantic City. One of the things that people have been talking about, and there have been varying views on it expressed on this program, has been the forthcoming water park at the Showboat Bar. Blatstein, the owner of the showboat, is uh, pretty excited about this. He was on this show talking about it. And uh, I know you were at the uh, groundbreaking. Are you optimistic? Do you think this project is going to uh, come to fruition? And do you think it's going to be successful? I do believe it will come to fruition and be successful. Um, there's there's many different reasons. Number one, firstly, there's nothing in Atlantic City that can't be successful if marketing if marketed correctly. And a piece of the problem in Atlantic City is we've lost our marketing touch. Atlantic City was always about gimmicks and bigger and better and things to do. So he's creating a place to do. I, his, his money, people are questioning whether his money comes in or doesn't come in. We're kind of, I don't know which state, is Iowa the show me state? Which, whichever the show me state is, we should be, <laughs> I, I, yeah. Atlantic City should be the show me town because no matter what comes up, there are naysayers and bad mouthers. And um, I have watched Bart, and, and, and I'm by no means Bart's biggest fan, but I'm certainly not an enemy to Bart. If this man is putting up his money to make this park happen and putting up the seed money for it, let's congratulate him instead of condemn him. I lived across the street from Showboat, and I noticed yesterday again there's more ground being moved, and there's a foundation being done, dug. So whatever that's for, it's for something. Now, that's something people can touch. And it's more it's more tangible than, you know, a parking lot with a, with a tent on it. So I do believe something has started there. And if he gets in the foundation, build it and they shall come. It's one of the reasons that I want to get this, this uh, property announced because I intend to create the funding mechanism within Atlantic City to help smaller guys get off the ground. Like mm -hmm. how do you get a, a million-dollar project off the ground or a $3 million project off the ground when the town won't when, – when people with – big pockets can't get their $200 million project. Off. Right, right. No, it's a, it's a great point, and uh, it does seem to be a struggle for a lot of small businesses in Atlantic City. One of the things uh, that we repeatedly hear about when it comes to Atlantic City is the casino business, and there's a lot of discussion and a lot of debate about the role of the casino business as it relates to taxes, tax breaks, and something called the pilot program. Can you explain briefly what exactly the pilot program is in Atlantic City and what the what's happening with the pilot program as it relates to the casinos right now? Well, pilot stands for uh, payment in lieu of taxes. Your question was, can I explain... And I'm not sure I can. I'm not sure anyone can, including the guys voting on it. Um, and that's part of the problem is we we in this state have, have come up with convoluted ways around things instead of just 
grabbing the bull by the horns and saying this is what we must do. No one needs a tax break if everyone's assessed fairly. But I don't mind the tax break. Like one of the things I was thinking last night that I believe I'm going to propose to the mayor today is you ought to tell anyone moving into Atlantic City or buying in Atlantic City this year. If you buy this year, you can put all the money in you want it, and we won't we won't assess you or raise your taxes for a full year. Have it give you a year of coast. So we do need tax help in the city of Atlantic City. Now the problem isn't what the casinos are making. The problem is what is the state taking? And we have lost somewhere over 16 or 17 billion dollars have rolled through this town, and um, it goes directly to the state. It comes out in all sorts of forms of taxes, and you know sometimes they give it back. It's like getting, it's like getting your property rebate tax. Why collect it if you're giving it back? That's just another layer of bureaucracy. So I'm not quite sure how it works. I'm not quite sure of the formula. I know that there was a, a hearing yesterday. I haven't even read the news today to see what happened. And part of the hearing is, is according to the mayor uh, and the city officials, we are getting more money in Atlantic City through the new pilot adaptation and twisting of, of the revenue sources. The county is getting 5 to $7 million less, so there's a lawsuit because they want their, their monies. Um, I'm not going to begin to understand the – I don't do my own books. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty good at reading a ledger sheet, but I don't do my own books. And trying to figure out that balance, I think we would return to a simpler formula and make it easier on everyone that we could understand. What I know as a taxpayer, as, as a my partner, uh, the par- property is in his name, but as a taxpayer, we watch our rates change sure. and go up and go up. And we don't see that with the casino. So that gets under the taxpayers association, the, under their code. Yet. of our properties, how many of our properties are owned by out-of-town investors? When our tenant base is – when our resident base is tenants, many of those properties uh, are owned by out-of-town people. And that's one of the things that happened in Atlantic City. Instead of the – you know, it used to be with our rooming houses and our boarding houses, um, we had a – we had whoever owned it. You know, there was an old Greek lady or an old Italian lady living next door who owned it, uh, and and she, she was the security system. Now you have some out-of-town conglomerate who's owning it and collecting the the monies and and not even paying attention to how the building is where the residents are. And the laws have changed who you have to house. So we need this this, this, uh, money to keep these these people – we need to be able to house people who are making minimum wage. But we're not – we're not housing them correctly, and that consequently affects everyone's property taxes, which conse- consequently affects the, the, the casinos. I mean, I think eventually the market will, will change, and we either increase the number of people coming to Atlantic City or decrease the number of casinos. We can't, we can't keep propping things on, a, um, on an indefinite basis. Do you think that Atlantic City is a safe place for people to visit right now? Do, do people that are listening to us right now have any reason to be concerned about uh, things like crime if they were to take a trip down to Atlantic City? The crime rate is actually down. So uh, as far as that goes, I, I don't think there's a danger. Uh, I'm, I'm going to put it this way. In our tourism zone, and I just, I just this weekend got back from, from Cancun. And, you know, I'm reading in the paper how dangerous this is in Cancun because a couple of beaches had problems uh, a few months ago. We have daily problems. Those daily problems 
do affect the cleanliness of our city and the visual um, visual attraction of our city. We have within the tourism zone um, problems, and the, the problems are inherent in your city also. I mean, like when I was in New York in December, you, didn't matter where I went. I saw people doing the heroin dip where you're just kind of standing there. Sure. They're not bothering anyone, but you don't want to say it when you're on vacation. <laughs> when you're on vacation, you don't want your problems. So as someone who's been in about six cities in the last year, our problems seem more evident. Yet at the same time, when our town is full, say we have a, a, a pink, the pink concert when it, when it was in town. There were so many people in town, you didn't notice any problems because instead of becoming so apparent because of the, the, the number of them on the street, the number of the people outnumbered them. And suddenly everything looked wonderful and the sun was shining. So on dark, gloomy days in February, you're going to see, oh, my God, look at this town. Our town needs a coat of paint, the whole damn thing. It doesn't matter what street you're on. Um, you know, there, there are problems. And, and we have um, cleanliness problems. But that, the cleanliness is half, half coming from our visitors. And I mean, like, I don't want to blame the, the, the city workers are working like dogs. You know, the guys on the street, they're working like dogs. And the Sid guys who, who do the boardwalk and clean the boardwalk. They're working. They're working well, and it's a, a beautiful system. If you're up there, if I were up there this morning, they'd be up there cleaning. Jeff, uh, okay. let, let let me end uh, with the most controversial question that I ask all of our guests in this segment. Gun to your head, you have to pick. We're not letting you off the hook without an answer. Your absolute favorite restaurant within Atlantic City. What is it? Wow. You know what? I knew you were going to ask this, too, and I hadn't given it a, a, a moment's thought. Um, in Atlantic, I go out five out of seven meals. I am everywhere. Tonight, my favorite restaurant is Wingcraft, and there's a reason. There are going to be 70 to 80 of us men and women. Be visible, it's called. It's a gay group, and tonight we're all gathering there. So tonight I'm enjoying Wingcraft, which is across from the Sheridan and then the Outlet Mall. Wingcraft. All right. Uh, you can see Jeff Rosenberger there if you're lucky enough to be dining there uh, tonight. I'll have to check. I'll put it on my list. I don't think I've, uh, I've been there. All right. Uh, Jeff Rosenberger, I appreciate the time this morning. I'll look forward to meeting you next time I'm down there and uh, certainly Please, our next a call. conversation on the radio. Appreciate it. I want I, I challenge you to get in my car. I'll give you a tour around Atlantic City and show you it through my eyes. I, I would love it. Count on it. I'm hoping to be there uh, uh, early March at the latest. And uh, I'm going to take you up on that offer, Jeff. Thank Sounds you. Sounds good. If you if you want to comment on any portion of my discussion with Jeff Rosenberger, and uh, you can listen to the AC report each and every Thursday morning at 3.30, you can give me a call, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Your phone calls straight ahead. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.